Hey, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to everybody's uh, fourth favorite uh, Def Leppard themed podcast. Yeah, let's say fourth. Let's just say fourth this time. Everybody, it's okay. a it's an aggregate. So we've taken everybody's ratings, uh, yeah. did a little bit of man on the street work, uh, and interviewed basically everybody in the entire world. And we ended up at fourth, which is not bad. Yeah, we um, wanted to avoid so waiting, a, like waiting of the yeah, uh, of the yeah. uh, uh, the statistics. We didn't want to have to do any of that. So we went ahead and went out and. Uh, yeah, every human that we knew of on the world or out in the space station, uh-huh. we found out <clears throat> yeah. we had them rate all the Def Leppard podcasts. Uh, yeah, I did a little bit of Phineas Fogg work in the last 80 days and uh, and got all that done. Uh, and it's I'm a little disappointed that I put all that effort in and we only ended up as number four. Yep. But, you know, them's the breaks. So, uh, as you can tell, this is a podcast, and this latest episode is going to be us talking about Def Leppard some more, and that's why this podcast is called Till Def Do Us Party. Yeah, we did it. Uh, I telegraphed that one perfectly to you, yep. Alex. Yep. So, uh, if you can't tell, my name is Stuart Wellington, uh, the Leopard Tamer, <laughs> and I am joined, as always, by Alex Dr. Def Smith. Yeah, you if you couldn't doctor? tell from context clues, my name is Alex Smith. <laughs> I'm doing great, uh, man. I'm a little tired. I had a late yep. night last night, hosted some karaoke. My voice is a little raspy, too. Um, hosted a little Def Leppard karaoke? Uh, no. So, oh, uh, yes. There was Def Leppard at karaoke. Uh, we, okay, you know, we do, a, we do a wheel of death. We do a, um, a spit. Wheel of death? Yeah, you spin the wheel, and the wheel picks the song for you. Um, and somebody spun Love Bites, which uh, mm-hmm. was very exciting to me. That's great. Okay, so uh, in addition to talking about karaoke shenanigans, we yeah. are going to be talking about a song by the band Def Leppard. And we have been, if you're just tuning in now, we have been slowly working our way through uh, the Def Leppard discography. You know what, Stuart? Uh, this is episode 19. Episode um, nineteen. Okay. Yeah, so we're perfect jumping on point. So yeah, we uh, we've it's been kind of slow going, and we've had um, we're both we're both pretty busy right now, and so we've we've had some inconsistent gaps between our episode, our episodes. But we are at episode nineteen, and it is the last song of Def Leppard's real uh, just uh, sort of pinnacle work in a lot of ways. The album Hysteria. So we're going to, tonight, this morning, whenever you're listening to this, we're going to be saying yeah, yeah. goodbye to Hysteria, which I, I have a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of feelings that come up about that. I mean, there's a, there's a chance that we will revisit Hysteria slightly when we talk about uh, the VH1 original motion picture, Hysteria, yeah. the Def Leppard story. And also when we do the video uh, catalog, we're going to go through the videos. So we'll be, we'll be returning to, to the, you know, to the, to the great moments uh, once more. Mm-hmm. But that'll be in a little while. And speaking of great moments, we have one today, Alex. We are going to be talking about the final track. The uh, the the conclusion, mm-hmm. almost like an epilogue of this album, "Love and Affection." All right, Stuart got up and uh, walked away uh, while the intro of the song was playing. I think because his coffee is done. And we're back. And we're back. Sorry I had to take a uh, sneak away for some of that sweet brown bean water. Yeah, it gets you some coffee. So uh, the opening of that song... Sounds yeah. to me a little bit. Uh, it's got almost like a like a kind of a new wavy sound. 
It reminds me of Simple Minds, that uh, Don't You Forget About Me from the end of uh, Breakfast Club. Is that because of the, like... Effects on the 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 guitars is it the like it shimmery is, yeah it's that shimmery, shimmery quality? guitar quality yeah it's the the big splashes yeah it's got that like dynamic rhythm those dynamic hits but then it's also like very uh, it's like thoughtful in the way that you know it's it's like mellow it's, and it's uh, contemplative <laughs> contemplative it's, it's looking yeah, back yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I don't know about you, Alex, but the first time I heard this track, I was like, whoa, Def Leppard snuck a little unplugged track at the end of the album. Just because it's, just because it's milder? Is that, it's not no, a No, I'm like, wow, rocker. this sounds like, this sounds like untainted acoustic guitar work. <laughs> <laughs> You've like, never, acoustic... nor... this... never heard an acoustic, you never heard an acoustic guitar at that point. Yeah, a non-electrified instrument is making all these sounds. So you were like a you were like a metal metalhead kid, and you heard this, and you you heard like clean shimmery guitar, and you're like, "What's that? Is that like a, yeah. is that like a lute or something?" Yeah, well, I'd I'd exclusively heard like pop music, like yeah. with synthesizers. So when I heard this stuff, I'm like, "Oh wow, am I in a Renaissance fair? <laughs> yeah. Are they plucking on cellos? What is that? <laughs> Are they using primitive instruments?" <laughs> But yeah, so the mood, the mood at the uh, opening of this song, and I guess throughout the song, really, is is that of, um, like I said, it's like, don't you forget about me. Uh, it's how I feel when I'm watching those closing credits of Breakfast Club. Bender's yeah. got his fist up in the air. He's still defiant. They've been through yep. so much together, the Breakfast Club, uh, but they're but they're going on with their lives. And so it's just like a little poetic moment of reflection. So that's sort of the mood yeah. it puts me in at the end of this. Uh, an incredibly epic uh, record, but it, it, again, it ends on this uh, contemplative note. Yeah, do you, think, do you think Bender puts his fist up in the air because he's like, this is where my dad's going to put cigarette butts out later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his dad's really tall. You don't see his dad. <laughs> yeah. His dad is just off screen. And his dad's uh, got a cigarette that's you know just got a really long ash thing on it, and and Bender just sees that it's that it's time, and this is yeah. This so he's like, here's, weird, here's, your, but, here's but, your ashtray, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, uh, I know in a little bit you're gonna go film that movie My Giant with your buddy Bill, Billy Crystal mm -hmm. because because his dad's a giant. Well, yeah, and he and he's Bender's stoked about it because this is it gives him a little bit more of like performance art that he can do when he's at the library, uh, and he needs to perform, yeah. you know, like scenes from his from his life, his home life again. He can, it's it excites him to have these little moments. It's like Gigi Allen or something. Like he yeah. he gets to have a uh, like pain and and suffering gives him. It's like his canvas that he paints his stories on to use a really, sure. really solid, uh, metaphor. Yeah. He's like a, like a Cenobite. So we... you know what? I was thinking about Cenobites, uh, <laughs> yesterday, Stuart. And I think one of the most fucked up things about Hellraiser, about the Hellraiser films, okay, so yeah. ironically is mm -hmm. that the Cenobites are happy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, is it because like their faces are contorted in a rictus grin? Well, but they just seem—they seem happy. They like show up, and they're like, it's like a party for them. And the whole there's one of the things that's the most like <laughs> is it because of, is is it because of how they're dressed up? Like they're wearing what you would consider to be cool party clothes. <laughs> they're wearing party clothes. You know, yeah, yeah. They've got like corsets and stuff on, like the yeah. kind of shit that I would throw on to. To go to a party, or like a shirt that's like weirdly torn and and then threaded back together. But no, what I mean is, you know, it, it's a movie about going to, about people going to hell uh, and being like tormented for all of eternity. But it also they do this weird twist on everything where they make they make it like the people that are there that have been captured, all, they all love it. They're like into it. And so it's like psychologically pretty weird because they there's all this like S and M shit going on, where like pleasure is pain and pain is pleasure and yeah. But, I mean, I think that's part of why they 
the idea behind the appearance of the Cenobites, at least their their faces, is that you, the viewer, are going to bring you are going to bring something with you, and you're going to be like, you're going to think they're either happy or in pain, depending on where you're coming from. So wait, so you're saying I'm projecting that they're happy onto them because they seem yeah, pretty I happy, so. dude. Really? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's the idea is that their uh, their faces are supposed to. Uh, indicate that a strange mixture of pleasure and pain, and to you, you being a an optimist, you're seeing nothing but pleasure in their faces. <laughs> or maybe you, that's maybe funny that the optimistic point of view is when the when the Hellraisers come to take me <laughs> to take me away. The, the optimistic point of view is that they're enjoying it. That's yeah, you funny. always see like, the bright side. Uh, yeah, the bright side of my own eternal torment is that the people yeah. subjecting you to it are having a great time. Having uh, a good time. Okay. Okay. I guess I was seeing it more like it, you know, like it's supposed to be cre- – like it's an in- <laughs> sort of inconsistency in the uh, in the mythology or whatever where it's uh, – where they're it, – you're There's supposed not to- a single inconsistency <laughs> All right, I'm in sorry, the entire I'm sorry. mythology. It, just There's that- a guy with CDs stuck in his head. Awesome. That yeah. dude's awesome. But that you're supposed to be scared of them, but they are the people who've been taken to hell before this. And they're they're supposed to be happy that they're dragging you to hell too. So it's just like a difficult psychological place to be. You know what I mean? Or to comprehend. Yeah. <clears throat> but no, I, think I, think right. I think we've covered it. I think we've covered yeah. it. So anyway, let's, so uh, let's get let's get back to the meat of this sandwich. Yeah, this this cenobite that's going to drag us to let's take a bite of this cenobite. <laughs> <laughs> let's take a cenobite. Uh, this instead of dragging us to hell, though, this song's gonna take us right to heaven. Let's hear the first verse. So sorry, I had to cut it off right there. Once again, we had we had our feet at the end of the at the end of the bridge, and we were about to jump into that into that chorus, and I yep. had to I had to cut it off because we needed we need to talk about what happened there. Uh, yeah. Stuart, do you want to read those lyrics? That first verse. I would love to. You got the fire, baby. I got the heat. Can you handle it? I got the time, baby. You got the need. Oh, surrender it. You know, oh, this has got me. I'm still thinking about Cenobites. Like that's the thing. It's like <laughs> I can't really, stop really, thinking really, about Cenobites. Yeah, uh, they're just they've gotten into my head now, and I'm I'm kind of <laughs> seeing this whole everything about this verse is is Cenobites to me. I'm but, getting a little nervous that this whole song is going to be about Cenobites. <laughs> that when you that we're going to start seeing like little little flashes of light along the wall and like hearing like chains rattling in the other room. <laughs> Yep, and I'll be like confused because, in a way, I never put my hands on the Le Marchand uh, configuration, right? The magical box that summons Clive Barker's creations, the Cenobites. But <laughs> uh, maybe in a way, talking, <laughs> doing a podcast about Def Leppard <laughs> is, is its own little, uh, its own forbidden box of pleasures and, and pain. They're just, yeah, they're like in the, they're just inside the wall, like going like, oh, oh, now they're on episode nineteen. We're one step closer. <laughs> yep, Chatterbox and Butterball are like, oh, I can't wait. <laughs> they're gonna finish. They're gonna finish hysteria. <laughs> And the door will open. Yep. All right. Uh, so sorry, Bradley sorry, I interrupted. Up. I interrupted that verse. So where were? No, where but that's the thing. The I was thinking the same thing. I was just trying to figure out when I was going to start <laughs> talking. How long I could resist talking about the characters of Clive Barker's Hellraiser? Uh, uh, oh, it's a passion crime with a danger sign. Can you handle it? You're just another girl. I'm just another man. It's just another night. Oh, oh, yeah. So again, I it it is uh, it 
is we're back in, and I did not, I did not plan this. I think you brought up Cenobites, but yep. there is a, there's a, there's a, that same kind of weird, uh, dan- you know, you're talking, you're talking about danger, but you're happy, but you're drawn to it. There's that mm-hmm. same kind of mix, that psychological mix of, uh, of, of feelings going on here where you got the fire, baby. I got the heat. So it's dangerous. They're moving towards each other. I don't know how you have the fire, but don't have the heat. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a weird thing. Sometimes, uh, at least in fantasy novels, you'll have something that appears to be hot, but is in fact deathly cold. Right. But what is, uh, but what is that? Like, what does uh, she have that's fire but doesn't have heat to it? Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's like, a, like a hologram. I don't know. She, so she has a hologram of fire, and yeah. he's and he, and he's going to add some heat to it, mm-hmm. like bo- like or maybe body. she's got maybe she's got one of those little things that's like a light and a fan with some like red and yellow uh, like cray paper that blows up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the you know, like- I think. So we're recording this episode in in the middle of of October, the spookiest month. So maybe it's kind of in, it's kind of a. Uh, it's also the most. Can... It's also the most rockin' month. It's also Rocktober. Oh wow! I never even realized that. There's what a, a lot, confluence yeah, there's of There's a lot that comes with October, just in general. It's Shocktober. It's Rocktober. Mm-hmm. So it's. Uh, I feel like it's creeping into the narrative of this episode. But it's also okay. Doctober. You're supposed to go to the doctor. Uh, oh, in, I, in I would love to. I'm I'm actually in quite a bit of pain right now. Uh, uh, can pain, you can pleasure. you handle it? <laughs> no. So uh, yeah, you're, it's there's a little bit of a uh, Joe Elliott here has a bit of a playful attitude. He's mm-hmm. clearly uh, he's he's talking to this anonymous woman, and in a way, he's just an, uh, some other anonymous guy. They're, they don't need identities almost. Right. Um, there's no and, sense to bring the rest of our lives into this at all. It's just we might as well just be uh, a match and a striking surface. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and the but as you said, it's a there's a, a hint of danger. There's uh, the idea of somebody who is dancing around the fire, whereas Joe Elliott is beckoning them to. Make that leap, yeah. Well, and let's put let's put it in context just a little bit because we had uh, we've uh, this this whole album again was a was revealed a few songs back to be uh, a person going through a bit of hysteria. That's the title of the album in their brain, oh, yep. thinking about thinking about love and relationships and women and men and uh, and and masculine aggression. And sort of a, a, a an association of this, like associating uh, women with some sort of sense of cultural obligation or societal obligation, and breaking all of that down until eventually the world was destroyed in the in the dream sequence of the bulk of the record. And then the dream, the fact that it was a dream, was revealed. And uh, since that point, we've been kind of uh, we we've had excitable. Which was a song, uh, the the previous song, the penultimate song on the record. Excitable being about keeping a certain amount of energy, keeping yourself alive, keeping yourself vital by edging yourself all the time, trying to be horny all the time, but not but not relieving it in any way. And so then we uh, and so then we get love and affection, a song that appears so far to be about no strings attached, loving um, a hookup. Which I'm, we'll we'll sort of see how that could possibly relate to the the attitude that we think Joe has as he awakes and emerges from this dream, where he sees both the uh, where he sees both the cata- the catastrophe that is a world without love, and the problems inherent in a world w- where love guides everybody together. You know, uh, yeah, so I so mean, right now. It- Right now, we've got a guy who's skeptical towards love, who's told us that he's trying to stay horny all the time, uh, but not do anything about it. And now he's talking one on one with a woman and talking about how dangerous it is. So, is he gonna? Are they gonna fuck? Are we headed to fuck town? Is is the big question? 
And we're, I think we'll probably get a better idea of that when we hit that sweet ass shimmery chorus. Alex, why don't you cue that up? Will do, Stuart. All right, so um, one one thing, one structural thing we can mention uh, for people that are that are keeping score on this, uh, we got we went straight to the chorus mm-hmm. instead of spoiler alert. Yeah, that's not a bridge; that's the chorus. We had a little a short a short bridge there one one that mm-hmm. almost as we talked about last episode we talked about the difference between pre-choruses and bridges. That one I think kind of rides the line between a pre-chorus and a and a bridge because it's very short; it's one line. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, again, we've, uh, both of the songs, I think, I think so far only the two songs at the end of this record are the ones where we get a bridge that goes immediately to the chorus the first time. I may be wrong about that, but it's the, it's the first time we've noticed it, which I think says something about they're you know, they're, they're at the end of the album. They're not. They're not subjecting you to these sort of longer structures that take a longer time to build up. They're getting right to it. They're getting right to the chorus because um, we're at the end and, and, and time is, you know, it could easily get boring. It could easily be dragged out. But no, he cuts right to the meat. And the meat of this part is the meat of this chorus is he doesn't want love and affection. Right. Or what you think it should be. Don't give me love. The wrong reason it don't matter to me. That seems pretty to the point, Alex. What do you think? Uh, it's to the point, but there's some ambiguous language. So, um, I, I guess I mean Joe Elliott is I, very I, clear in his language. Yeah, yeah. Not. Uh, I don't. I don't mean like they're. I, I'm not talking about. It's like parallel because "Don't give me love and affection" is very direct. That's mm-hmm. extremely. Uh, that's extremely forward. Uh, don't give me love. The wrong reason is kind of a weird, the, the, the phrase, the wrong reason is kind of ambiguous to me. Uh, also, or what you think it should be is kind of ambiguous. Uh, but I think that's just him covering his bases. He's just saying, you know, love and affection or any synonyms that you might look up to be able to get around this, this deal. Like if you were, you know, if you wanted to, if you were trying to tear down this wall I'm putting up a little bit by just uh, coming up with a different way to phrase it, I'm going to throw in, or what you think it should be, just to let, yeah. a, just to, just to let you know that you really have no, there's nothing you can do to, it's to like give when me my, love uh, like when my, my wife and I first started dating and we were both nervous about actually coming out and saying that we love each other, we were saying things like, I adore you, and other oh, kinds yeah, of yeah. shit. And Joe Elliott's like, nope, don't even try it, baby. Yeah, don't even say, don't say adore. It also reminds me of uh, a, a, a a workplace guidebook, you know, guidebook, what do they call it? The, you know, the list of rules. Um, like of, an of employee of, handbook? Employee handbook, thank you. Uh, that, uh, Everything that it said, or even in high school, there was a student handbook that had all the requirements of um, of what you could wear and how you couldn't have you couldn't have certain kinds of things on your shirt. But they always said including mm-hmm. no but not colors. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, including but not limited to. And then they would say stuff like that. And it, it, I remember one thing in a in a handbook where it said like. Basically, I, w- I went to this Catholic high school for two years where it was all male high school and uh, we wore ties to school every day. And, and we were we were basically like expected. Our behavior was was supposed to be like punishable anywhere we were, anytime, anywhere, like as students of this high school. And maybe that's the case everywhere. I don't know. But it, but I just remember reading in that handbook that they were like including but not limited to the mall, uh, sporting events, stuff like this. And they're they're talking about how if they find out you've done anything wrong anywhere, they're going to give you shit for it. 
I do um, like included, including but not limited to, because that is basically like, then why are you listening? Why don't you just say everywhere? Yeah, or just say like, we own you in the u- in the universe. You know, like, uh, mm-hmm. like we're just gonna do. We're just gonna be mad about stuff, even if you don't know right now that we're against it. We're gonna su- we're gonna subject our punishment. Like y- you have made you. a Faustian pact. You have made a deal, and no matter how hard you try to avoid us. You're not going to. You're not going to get away because we're basically Cenobites. Yeah, I was about to. I was about to say we're getting close to Cenobites again. And I. I did forget to mention that this was a. a the Cenobites did run that school. It was a Cenobite-run school. <laughs> sure. And all it, it, they just the discipline. It's got a long tradition of of excellence in the Louisville community because the Cenobites really they run a tight ship. Mm-hmm. They're always dressed to party. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yep. They're just having a great time at school. You so definitely we, come out you definitely come out of Cenobite High School kind of sexually fucked up though. <laughs> it's hard to get I mean, over that. You know, you know, whatever whatever you're into, baby, we're cool with it. Yeah. So uh we uh why don't we uh dig into verse number two, because I think it might add a little bit of lend a lend a little bit of light onto this uh situation Joe's found himself in. Let's do it. All right, so uh, Stuart, go ahead and give us those. That okay. Verse. I got the heart, baby. You got the beat. Take a chance on me. Obviously, uh, I got the heart as a reference to Clyde Barker's novella, Hellbound Heart, which is the basis <laughs> of the movie Hellraiser. <laughs> we got the night, baby. We got the dream. <laughs> oh, imagine it. Uh, and then, of course, we get into the second half of the uh, the verse, which is the is similar to the first verse, um, and in a way, kind of functions like like a baby bridge, right? Oh, it's a passion crime with a danger sign. Can you handle it? You're just another girl. I'm just another man. It's just another night. Whoa, 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 yeah, yeah. And um, the the and the the like the uh, the guitar melody changes a little bit. It starts to build right during that second half of the verse. Yeah, that's there is a very. Um, I think there's a kind of a gray line uh, separating the verse and the bridge here because, um, it, because the it doesn't feel like a cha- a change to a bridge when it goes from <coughs> you got the night baby we got the dream oh imagine it oh it's a passion crime with a danger sign that to me just feels like it's still we're still in the verse. But yeah. you almost don't even realize that as that guitar comes in and as as the as the chords kind of go upward, mm-hmm. that you are that that you are building dire- again directly into the chorus, and you've it's it's a pretty like it's cool the way that they've overlapped those things and sort of embedded the bridge into the verse. Uh, it's it's just got a phrasing that's almost like uh, that that's. It's it's conversational, you know. Yeah, like I mean, the way and- the way you, as you as you start to get more persuasive, uh, you know, your voice lifts up a little bit. That's how that's how this feels, and I think that it, it works as a, a. It sounds like persuasive talk. It sounds like it sounds conversational. Yeah, and I mean that's the whole idea, right? Is that he's having a conversation with uh, this uh, An- uh, another girl? Yep. He's having this conversation, and he's he's tempting her. He's trying to convince her of something. Yeah, um, well, he's, but he's, at the same t- but at the same time, he's urging her not to uh, not to give him love and affection. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a it's a weird sell, isn't it? Because you're uh, like he's he's ta- saying take a chance on me. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, imagine it. He's he's using this persuasive language. Trying to get this girl's under underwears off, and uh-huh. and then he says it's a passion crime with a danger sign. So he's putting up a danger sign. 
He's telling her it's dangerous. He's telling her it's potentially very bad. Like this could crash and burn. Pleasure and pain. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, it, it's a it's a hard pitch, but I think he's nailing it. I think he's doing it. Yeah. So again, as I said before, it's a it's a weird song uh, to 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 follow the idea of edging yourself of always being horny and not letting a lady sap your tea, sap your precious fluids. But uh, I think that this is, this is like a release valve. We're ending on a kind of like, like, you know, you're going to, you're going to get to a point where you just absolutely need to, uh, to smash that nut button. And he's, he's giving you the release valve. He's giving you the language that you can use when you're and and I don't think he's meaning this just for men. I think he's he's saying any two lovers, a woman or a man, could say this if they need if they need to get their nut off. They what they should do is they should set up the danger sign. They should mm-hmm. do this pitch, this this kind of uh, very you know uh, cautious but exciting pitch, and just get that one you know just have sex that one time and one magical moment. Yeah, and that's what that's what. That's what fucking should be from here on out, is what he's saying. So that's where yeah, sort of where we saying, yeah. that's sort of where we end uh, with with hysteria conceptually. Is like you gotta you gotta go your own way. You gotta be your own man. You gotta stay vital. Don't let him sap your fluids. But every once in a while, you're gonna need to do it. And here's the roadmap to do it smart. To do it safe. Yep. Keep those strings from. Grabbing onto you, keep those hooks from digging into your skin. Those cenobites, cenobites, excuse me, from uh, dragging you into the into the hell world. Yep, you you gotta walk that razor's edge, mm-hmm. and it might cut a little bit, but it won't cut your legs completely off and rip you to shreds like cenobites will. Yep. <clears throat> so we get this next after that uh, after that verse, we get a kind of like an elongated version of the chorus, Alex. Yeah, that's it's a true. little bit different than the traditional than the first chorus. Yeah, so, um, Stuart, you want to hear the longer chorus? Sure, or we I can sing well. it. Do you want, to, you want to sing it? Go ahead and sing it. <laughs> Don't give me love and affection or what you think it should be. Don't give me love, the wrong the reason. The reason, yeah. It don't matter to me. I don't need... You're understanding, babe. Can't you understand me? Come on, I don't know this next goes, part. Come on, come on, try, try and see. And then yeah. we get, and then we, and then we get these. Uh, we get this little musical interlude uh, that builds into the guitar solo. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, this elongated version of the chorus. Uh, I don't need your understanding, babe. Can't you understand me? Come on and try it and see. So that I mean, it's it's just a little. It's stepping up the uh, the pressure he's applying, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, he's saying he's saying I'm, I I don't need I don't need you to think about me at all at all. I don't need you to worry about my feelings one bit. Um, and uh, and it's it is funny the way that he phrases it though, because he says I don't need your understanding. Can't you understand me? There's a kind of a brilliant uh, little level of irony there in the use of language to say that he's asking he's asking for her to understand him while he's saying I don't need your understanding. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's weird that he spends most of this song trying to explain a concept to somebody. Yeah, and then he's like, I don't need your understanding. Yeah. <laughs> You don't need to get it. Uh, so, do we want to hear that little bit of a musical interlude and the guitar solo? I think absolutely. This this guitar solo is really beautiful. It's a uh, it's, it's the last one on the album. It's the last one on the album. It's it's kind of short and sweet. Um, I mean, the most of the guitar solos on this album are pretty pretty short, except for the really <laughs> extended ones in the in the songs that have long like sort of jam sessions going on in them. But, yeah, so the uh, most of the guitar solos are short and sweet, except for the ones that are long. Is what you're saying? That's yeah, yeah. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. So, uh, but this one uh, is is shorter than it is long. I would say, okay. and uh, and it's really just 
it, it's just sort of it's very it's executed very crisply. It's very beautiful and complex. I, I just think it's a gorgeous, a gorgeous and uh, like virtuosic guitar solo. Right I think here. that's a word. Let's do it. Oh, virtuosics is virtuosics is a word. Uh, it's got a lot of virtuosics, and I I believe this is I believe this is Steve Clark. Kind of like a kind of like a farewell letter, right? And yeah, I think um, for for you know for for our listeners that are that are learning about Def Leppard solely through us, um, you should know. And I regret to inform you that this is uh, this is kind of the the last thing you're going to hear of actual Steve Clark in their catalog, uh, because unfortunately he died after this album. So sorry about that. Here we go. That's a little short and sweet uh, guitar solo there from our boy Steve C. You know what? I want to back up off of uh, off of saying that was definitely Steve Clark because I don't actually know if it was Steve Clark. And it listening to it that time, I, I was thinking about a lot of the. Uh, it has it has elements that that lead me to believe it might be a Phil Collins solo and not a Steve Clark solo. Okay. Steve Clark's more. Uh, Phil does a does does more of that sort of like uh, poppier things, whereas Steve. I tend to think of Steve as the more rocking one, yeah. who's like who's like kind of ripping these you know rocking licks. Whereas Phil Collins has this sl- slightly more like sort of delicate touch and a poppier aesthetic to his, and that is a very poppy solo. So, uh, never mind. We we said goodbye to Steve. We said goodbye to Steve a while ago. I'm sorry, uh, but love you, Steve. Yeah, there'll be there'll be no other. Uh, okay, so uh, and then we uh, we go back into the uh, the second half of the 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 verse. Right, it goes uh, back into the like thing that I referred to as like a baby bridge. Right, it goes into baby bridge play. In a different way, can you handle it? Yeah, you're just another girl, I'm just another man. It's just another night. Yeah, he says, coming out of the solo, he goes, oh, it's a passion play. Which, uh, passion play is a weird thing to call it. Because a passion play is an, like an Easter pageant where um, you, that depicts the sacrifice of Jesus giving his life for our sins on the cross. Mm-hmm. That's what a passion play is. And, uh, but then he says, in a different way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you're saying he, like, is keeping one foot on shore there. Like, yeah, so it's like... He's, he left a back door if he needs to sneak out of that, that metaphor. Yeah, of course it's not... He, he's saying, like, of course I'm not literally Jesus dying on the cross for your sins, or you're not Jesus literally dying on the cross for my sins. But it's basically a passion play. But just in a different way, and I'm not entirely sure I know what that way is, Stuart. Do you know what? How how is this a passion play? Uh, well, see, you attended a Catholic school, and I did well, not, and a Cenobite school, and a Cenobite school. So I don't, I don't know. Uh. I would say that it is an example of how Jesus was all about, you know, finding people and getting them off, but not getting too (laughs) attached, right? (laughs) Like he was hanging out and he was hanging out in like what, Jerusalem and being like just getting people off, right? Yeah, oh, well, God. he did. He did. Uh, he did hang out mostly with uh, prostitutes and uh, and p- people that were the dredges of society. Um, yeah, man. And he's like, "Look, guys, I'm going to tell you about about my dad, and that's going to get you off. But don't get too committed because I'm gonna I'm gonna get killed here in a little bit by a bunch <laughs> of Romans." Yeah, that was. I was like the secondary main message of Jesus was don't get too committed. <laughs> like yeah. don't, don't worry too much 
Uh, and that's listen. why Joe Elliott's talking about it because he's like, "Look, dude, uh, the Christian faith ha- totally got it wrong. They got way too committed." Yeah, uh, he's using it as an example to this woman, like, "Don't be like them." I see. I see. That's smart, Stuart. I like that. I think that's that's the official interpretation that, of this. That's <laughs> that's smart, Stuart. <laughs> Truer words are never spoken. Um. Yeah, so we we have this uh we have this section uh can you handle it? Yep. You're just it it stays anonymous and then we get once again into the chorus and yet this is a long ass chorus that leads us out of the song. Yeah, right? it's, it's a like double chorus. Course. Double chorus and a fade out. Um it's sort of the longest chunk of the song. We've been we everything's been very brief up to this point, but we like we have another minute and a half of this song that is just the double chorus fade out. So um, uh, let's let's listen to a bit of that. So uh, I really, really like the second half of the double chorus where it gets to the part that you previously sang, the I don't need your understanding, oh babe, can you understand mm-hmm. me? Because there's a nice little like guitar, there's a little uh, counter melody that comes in on the guitar that's really uh, adds a lot. It's a, a, a very... A very good feature. So let's get to uh, let's get to that. Let's go ahead and and hear. Uh, let's see where should we start? Let's let's start at the I don't need your understanding. All right. Actually, I screwed up. I was talking about something that happens a little bit later, but here, but we we should talk about this little like this little build up that they do. They do a, uh, a you know they do a call and response between yep. our angelic voices and Joe's voices, um, where they're just it's kind of the the drums are breaking up a little bit. It's kind of building in intensity, <laughs> and he's saying and and Joe's saying I don't need it. Don't need your heart. I don't need no understanding, no affection. Don't give me love like. Uh, uh anyway it, it i mean that's all i really need to say about it but let's let's hear that and then you'll hear and then i think the counter melody comes in on the guitar so okay let's do this there it is All right, um, and then he's it, they, there's an ad lib in there where he goes, uh, "Don't give me love, give me what you got," which mm-hmm. is uh, I guess he's just saying, "Give me that, give me that sweet tang or whatever." Uh, but he but he couldn't <laughs> yeah. say it that way in such a in such a. I mean, sweet... he's a he's a poet, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's how you or I might say it. We might yeah. say, "Give me that sweet tang," and uh, and instead he says, "Give me what you got." And it uh so this is this is such a peaceful in a way a peaceful ending to yeah. an album especially it's a, a sharp counterpoint to Pyromania's Billy's Got a Gun yeah which ends almost violently oh absolutely and, violently and it incredibly violently cuz uh Pyromania ended with with the listener themselves lying on the ground bleeding out after being shot yeah um, so, and, yet, and here uh, it feels like it feels like Joe has finally found some level of peace and closure. Yeah. Uh, well, he's he's found a sort of way to be. You know, he's found a like again. He's at at least at the at least for him in this moment. And we've all been you know a a, a young guy who doesn't want to um, you know doesn't want to be tied down and just. Uh, We've all been there. I, you and I have all yeah. been there. <laughs> Not everybody <laughs> in the world has yeah. been there. Less than half of the world has been there. Yeah. But okay. uh, but yeah, it, we we know what he's talking about here. He mm-hmm. just he's he's saying let's let's keep it simple. Let's not let's not weigh 
each other down with baggage and relationships and things. So that's where we end in this, uh, you know, incredible monumental trilogy of albums of high and dry pyromania and hysteria. We're going to see their, their, their catalog. Their catalog does not stay this consistent. I'll just say that. Okay. That's, uh, I mean, that's a bold stance. Mm-hmm. That will be supported by the actual music. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, these uh, but three these three <laughs> records are are just perfect in in concept, in execution, in music, in structure, in everything about them, uh, and in and in the way that they they give you a glimpse into the inside the head of you know the the, the poet himself, um, the English poet yeah. Joe Elliott. Yeah, the uh, it's been uh, it's been quite a ride. Alex, mm-hmm. uh, we've opened the box. We've seen what horrors and uh, and beautiful <laughs> vistas lie uh, yeah. in, I guess, hell or wherever. But now the Cenobites have come to take us away. Um, the box is open. It's yep. uh, kind of like Pandora's box. Let's take another metaphor here. Yeah. <laughs> and t- but the thing, there's one thing that Wait, still remind remains. Me what, in the- remind me what happens when Pandora's box gets opened. What's <clears> the <throat> What's the deal there? Uh, I think a bunch of Cenobites show up <laughs> and rip uh, Pandora into a bunch of pieces. But the okay. thing is, I thought, I, thought that- you, I thought you heard some of the greatest classics from America's beloved Aerosmith band oh. when you open up Pandora's box. Is that is that a is that the name of one? I thought that was that's Toys the name in the of Attic. their box set. Uh, the Aerosmith <laughs> box set is called Pandora's box. Is it a collection of all their albums or just a box of Aerosmith stuff? I think it's a box of it's like a it's like one of those weird box sets where I th- I'm I'm pretty sure it's like a it's a hits collection yeah. that's like expanded that's multiple discs that is uh has maybe some live stuff or I don't know uh-huh. I don't know what And you get like a DVD of uh Armageddon in there. Yeah, I don't it came out pre-DVD, so I don't I, maybe they do now. Maybe yeah. maybe there's an expanded Pandora's box. Yep. So, uh, on that, but the, the, the point I was trying to make is that with all, uh, with the box open, everything is out in, among the, in the world, all the evils are out in the world. Uh, one thing remains in that box, Alex. And I think that's what Joe is trying to show us is that hope remains. I agree. That's yeah. You said it, man. Yeah. There's still hope. Uh, so, uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll be touching back with, the English band in kind of a different place, uh, having had to replace one of their members. Uh, when we start talking about Adrenalize here next time, well, Adrenalize uh, they didn't Adrenalize they, they didn't replace uh, Steve for Adrenalize. They recorded Adrenalize as a four piece. I mean, I'm talking about when they perform live, Alex. Okay, okay, fine. They yeah, perform. Yeah. Uh, did Vivian Campbell immediately join them? We'll talk about that when we talk about Adrenalize. Uh, but yeah, I Viv, guess we'll, they'll... Uh, Viv joined after Adrenalize came out. But the, but this is we we're giving away all the all the upcoming uh, all the all, upcoming all the goodies news yep. and, and goodies. So uh, I I was trying to think of some way we could say goodbye to Hysteria. Um, and, and I don't, I don't have any great ideas and I think anything that, um, I don't, I almost don't want to be heavy handed about it because, uh, because the end of, of love and affection is really the best possible way to send off hysteria. So we're just going to play the fade out from that, which really, I mean, you know, it nails it. Nothing says the end of hysteria, like the end of hysteria. (laughs) But before, uh, but before we do that, I, I wanted to, um, I wanted to ask you, Stuart. Again, uh-huh. we've been we've been we've been doing a, 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 you know cocktail pairings um, for for each of the songs on this album, and I don't know if you have one in mind for love and affection. Uh, yeah, like a got, good I, cocktail to listen to as you as you hear love and affection. Yeah, I'll uh, I got I got one queued up. I've been thinking about this a lot, Alex. I think um, I think the perfect cocktail pairing would be some kind of uh, like a bottle of some kind of domestic beer or maybe a can, uh, something relatively inexpensive that you can get in large quantities at, at like uh, at 
at your local store, your Piggly Wiggly, if they carried that sort of thing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so and, a cocktail pairing is wait, wait, a wait. beer you can buy at a store. <laughs> yep, and a, uh, a, a small glass, uh, like a shot glass of whiskey, as inexpensive as possible. So maybe Old Crow, Kentucky Gentleman, something like that. So what I would say is the the perfect pairing would be to say goodbye to hysteria would be a shot and a beer. So actually, well, that sounds like what you've described kind of sounds to me like something, uh, you know, an old working, an old union working guy would order at his, you know, at his, at his neighborhood bar on his way home. So it's almost yeah, like yeah, you're, yeah. you're at he's, the end he's, of it. He's an old to... guy, an old guy at the end of his shift, you know, just saying goodbye to another day. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the perfect cocktail pairing. Yeah, it's so got okay. all the all the flavor notes that you're expecting and all yeah. the smells. Well, okay, Stuart, what can we can we is there one cocktail pairing that we could give to the entire album of Hysteria as we say goodbye to it? Because uh you know, one thing, I don't think a lot of people are going to be li- you know, listening to this album and making themselves a separate drink for every individual song. I think someone should try that and let us know how it goes. Yeah. Let us know how uh how they how they feel after drinking uh what is it 15 beverages 15 alcoholic beverages in 76 minutes. Yeah, that's that's a lot of alcoholic beverages. Now Alex, what I would probably say is if you wanted to have Sorry, 12 12 alcoholic beverages. <clears throat> if there's going to be one cocktail that i would recommend some kind of a drink pairing for uh for the entire album of Def leopard's hysteria uh and i think it's funny that we use the term pairing because that means pair because what i'm going to suggest is a pair of drinks oh, I, I thought recommend... you were going to say something like a pair a pair of vodka yep like uh, no i'm not going to recommend thought. a pair of vodka i'm going to recommend uh, a pair of drinks that you drink in succession one of them is a small glass of whiskey, and the other is a domestic beer. A <laughs> shot and a beer would be the perfect drink to pair with Def Leppard's Hysteria. You're going you're to get a little bit of the smooth, rich flavors of your local domestic beer. <laughs> and you're also going to get the bite, the, the sting, the pleasure and the pain, the sting of some, some whiskey. You've really been putting a lot of thought into these recent uh, drink pairings. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's the, uh, it's all about it's all about balancing flavors, uh, yeah. smells, aromas, all those things. What about what about the uh, the classic? Now this is this is a drink that uh, you and I used to enjoy in uh, in college. Not to not to get nostalgic on you, but we're but we're at the end of uh, yep. of hysteria here, but. Um, uh, you and I, when we were in college, would go to parties and mm-hmm. stand in the corner and and do shots of Starry Nights together, mm-hmm. which so were... So we would, uh, you're saying we would go over to the coffee table over in the corner and we yeah. would awkwardly mix yeah. uh, shot glasses of half Goldschlagers and half Jägermeister. Yeah. Oh, God. It makes me and, want to barf just And by the end of the night, the, the of entire days. coffee table would be sticky. <laughs> and those little... <laughs> and those little shot glasses would be so gross. <laughs> and there'd be like little specks of gold like on the outside of the shot glasses. <laughs> yeah. The, the next day, it would just... Everything would smell like cinnamon... Um, but well, I think that that could be. But you know, there's a certain like shimmering quality to the album Hysteria. Uh, it's, sure, it's uh, it's got a sweetness uh, and a darkness to it too. Um, mm-hmm. It's I, I think, but it also leaves you covered in a hot, sticky, sweet residue, like uh-huh. uh, like a Starry Night does. Again, yep. a Starry Night is half is a shot glass that's half Goldschlager, gold, what is it, Goldschlager and Jägermeister. Yeah, yes. half Goldschlager, half Jägermeister. Uh, and uh, and I think I, I'm going to say I think that a big tall glass of Starry Night, uh, casually sipped like a port or something, mm-hmm. would be the ultimate pairing 
uh, for Hysteria if, if you're going on my recommendation. Yeah, yeah. So if you want an amateur recommendation, you can go with Alex's. <laughs> or if you want the professionals, you can go with mine. Uh, you, uh, I mean, only God and Pinhead will judge you. Mine um, will probably kill you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, before we hear the fade out of, uh, of Love and Affection... Uh, you can find Stuart, me normal. real quick. Yep. When do you shoot the When do you shoot the shot in your pairing? Uh, anytime, like in the middle. You want to get a little bit of beer. <laughs> you want to get a little beer in your mouth. You know, kinda, there's not like a turning you- point. But how about How about we say How about we tell people you get you do the shot like at the um, you do the shot at the end of that little musical. Uh, or, or you do the shot during the war sound effects of Gods of War at the beginning. You know what that I, little guitar solo thing with I the helicopter right. sounds? Yeah, right as right as side B really kicks off. Yeah, that's when that's you do a, the shot. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, now that you've been instructed on how to properly drink alcohol. Uh, you can normally find me, Stuart Wellington, over at, uh, the Flophouse Podcast, a comedy podcast about bad movies. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at FlophouseCat. That's me. At FlophouseCat. That's me. Uh, my name is Alex Smith. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Lydia Burrell. Uh, two R's, two L's in Burrell. It's like a woman's name. Uh, that is my band. Uh, you can find songs written by me under the name Lydia Burrell uh, on uh, iTunes, Amazon, uh, Bandcamp, anywhere uh, anywhere streams are sold. And you can find uh, you can also find comedy videos that I do under the name of Howl Dotty H O W E L D A W D Y on YouTube, uh, and also again also on uh, iTunes, Amazon. Whatever I, I I put out a mixtape of some of the songs that are in those videos. So uh, that is it for me. Follow my dog on Instagram, uh, <laughs> Dan, uh, Dance Legend Powers or Danny Le- Danny Legend Powers on yep. Instagram. And and you're you're getting married soon. Uh, I'm getting married soon. At? So where sa- are you registered? So y- yeah, go, go to. Uh, I'm registered at uh, Bed Bath and Beyond and. Um, uh, and Target, and I'm regist- and we have a Zola, so you can kick in a little money for our honeymoon. Uh, that uh, if you want to, that's I think that's it, dude. Let's uh, let's play us out. Yeah, thank, thank you. you, thank you. Boom. Got a right, man. All right, man. We we, we did, did it, it, dude. We How did hysteria. Doing, we did all of hysteria, man. Made it through. I didn't think I was gonna be. I, I thought I was gonna. I thought I was gonna fail today. I thought I was gonna fail to do the podcast today.
Change. 